Hello and welcome to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I'm Amy and we're joined by some pumpkin cookies today. Macy? <laughs> pumpkin. Tommy? That's me right there, pumpkin cookie. And our cookiest of pumpkins, Lamb. Yeah. We are a family of creatives going through the story writing process and we're bringing you along for the ride. Happy Halloween, even though this will not be a Halloween episode. But happy Halloween, everyone. So excited. So fresh. Happy Halloween to you. Thank you. A very important question on this subject. Sure. It's critical that I get honest and accurate answers from everyone because... This is something that's kind of personal to me, and I really need to know where everyone stands on this, on the Uh topic of Halloween. This question could go either way, and I'm scared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I need to know everyone's opinion on candy corn. It's gross. It's a contentious subject (laughs) all across the Twitter webs. So bad. It's, It's, yeah. What's the point It's fun looking. Like, if corn was actually candied, it would taste better than candied corn. Uh, Yes, it would. It's always stale. It's like in yeah. a constant state of being stale. Even if it's fresh. It just tastes like you're biting into like stale wax. Yeah. Stale chemicals. That has yeah, stale really chemicals. That's waxy. Yeah. I love the look of it. The aesthetic of it, great. But other than that, it is useless as a candy in my opinion. Trust me when I say I've, I've eaten a lot of chemicals in my day. <laughs> and candy corn is definitely some of the worst chemicals I've ever eaten. I would have you know, candy corn is made of like seven different kinds of sugar. Not chemicals. Yeah. And five oh. of them are corn based. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I am so disappointed in all of you, but because I love you, I will accept you. No, we're Despite disappointed. In are you awesome? Are you a fan of candy corn? I like candy corn. Really? Yes. You got to get it fresh, though. I will agree. The stale, it starts to get hard. But when you have truly fresh candy corn, it's soft. It kind of goes to smush. <laughs> Interesting. But I also know that I'm part of the minority in this society when it comes to candy corn. So. Yeah, I think so. That's okay. We're just normies over here. I don't begrudge you guys. I'm just sad. But I'm <laughs> the only one here. Why did my camera just move? <gasps> it's a ghost. <laughs> the look on your face was like, oh my gosh, what's like, what? You well, were like, what? legit nervous. The lights I have on in the background, I made it red for mm. spooky times. But Not it kind of looks orange. Okay. And so, well, because I had orange on for like the last two months. Gotcha. Because I love the orange color. I think it looks cool. But even though it looks kind of orange, it's actually like a, a, a sinister red. <laughs> sinister orange. Got no. It. Oh, gosh. No. There's yesterday I saw well, it was a, a panda riding a motorcycle and it was a chicken riding a motorcycle. And I yelled out at them and I was like, you guys are looking fine. And they said, thank you. And then he dove into his front bag, which I didn't realize he had. And then he ran over to the car and gave me candy. And I know the first thing I'm supposed to do is not take it. But I smiled, <laughs> shook my head. I was like, yes, please. I want the candy. You took candy from a stranger. Come on, Tommy. Yes. That's like childhood 101. <laughs> I'm not a child anymore, so it's fine. <laughs> right? It was great. I mean, I think in that situation, it's Halloween. You weren't getting into his vehicle. Technically, if anything, he was kind of getting into your vehicle by handing you the candy through your vehicle. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's fine. It's all good. (laughs) I have had two pieces since. I've only thrown up twice. So (laughs) I think we're good. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. 
Yeah, we're safe. We're fine. As long we're as you fine. don't die, that's the that's the threshold where I it might get a died. little suspicious. He hasn't you know? tried to kill me. No yeah, razor fine. blades detected. Yeah. <laughs> so how is everyone this week besides throwing up because of stranger danger? <laughs> <laughs> Over the past couple weeks, we've had a few gun threats oh, yeah. at school. At your school? Jeez. Yeah. Also, don't forget the stabbing. Oh, yeah, we had a yeah, stabbing. What? Yeah. Yeah. Two gun threats on a stabbing. Uh, America! Uh. No, please. <laughs> yeah. And a brand new principal. And he, he got to send a letter home on his very first day. About- Hi, I'm your principal. Also, <laughs> I want to talk to you about today's incident. And I'm like, oh my gosh, another one? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I had a bunch of tests because it's, um, it's that time. We have a picture day. I'm at picture. You see that? It's. Can go it looks kind of sp- spooky. Back, yeah, back it, it does. Up. Back it, it up. Looks... Back it up. Wait, no. Look, no. Too much. This is a classic Liam moment. A little more. A little more. A little more. Oh my gosh, oh, he's dead serious. More. Look at him. More. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah, you're very that. That looks like an old like military photo. That's what I told him. He's got the military look. He does. He really does. Interesting. You put that in black and white. You gotta take a picture of it and then like upload it to Discord. It's he's got the jawline. Oh, there focus. we go, Terry. You know, Ooh, yeah, that's a, jaw, a good right? picture. Look at the butt. That's look what at the, I look said. The... That's like the best picture he's, he's ever had. He, like legitimately, except he for doesn't smile. His kindergarten and picture was first... amazing. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, the one that's in like everybody's houses. Yep. yep. The one that the one that has like yeah. forty million <laughs> copies around the country. Yeah. It's the best one. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, I'll take a picture of that if you get it. Yeah, well he didn't know it was picture day, or at least he didn't tell me. So yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know it was picture day. And also usually they di- they give you like more than one take, but instead the reason why I looked the way I do is because I thought it was a first take, I thought it was like a practice run. And it wasn't. <laughs> She said, "All right, you're good." And I'm like, "Oh, you nailed it, though. My you bad. really nailed yeah. it. Yeah, you at like my hair fell down. Perfect. Kind of mad. No, don't be mad. Anyways, I'm sure this is thrilling for our listeners. Hi, uh, listeners. Hi, hello, listeners. Hi. Cool thing is, we went over to our grandma's house and we had lunch with her and our aunt and uncle today, and it was really cool because our uncle, I won't say his name, but shout out to you, uncle. You know who we're talking about because I know you're listening to this." loves our podcast really he was yeah. ranting yeah. about how great he thought it was so kind of baffled yeah, yeah. we were like oh okay okay like he's it's very like, into it i'm That's down with it awesome specifically specifically he really enjoyed the hello and yo podcast with liam and i because he's like Liam just had so much to say. And, and <laughs> you could really, he like really, enjoy, he said, I might not have agreed with everything. He goes, you guys talked about who eats pretzels. He goes, I like pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad now. I drilled everybody for eating pretzels. <laughs> you did, you demolished everybody. Them. It's a good <laughs> But yeah, he said, you know, he doesn't always agree with everything you say, but I, he really liked that one. And he likes when you, you talk and you have more to say. And he's like, you have a, an interesting way of looking at things and talking about things. So you should definitely talk more. Our special favorite guest. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah, but I'm a guest. You know, I got to let the um guest of honor. Guest it of honor. Be yeah. Our honor if you would speak. Okay. Well, we're down one person, which means the percentage chance of me speaking more is higher. 
basically, if you guys want to, if you guys want me to talk, you guys have to show it's up. Just, we all all have to leave. <laughs> we all have to leave and let Liam to record. Anyone who's listening, Please? what are your thoughts? Do you think that we should do a solo podcast where it's just Liam streaming his consciousness out into the world? Because I think that that would be great. Be a Liam. We're gonna have to have a live censor. <laughs> get bad. The live censor will be me editing it later. <laughs> this is off topic, but I just discovered this after looking at my face. Sometimes I like to eat my mustache, right? But. I realize I have little mustache bridges, okay? So they connect my mustache to my beard. Okay, hear me out. Are you ready? Look at my face. Look, see, look. If I eat them. Oh, wow. You got, yeah. You do. You have like little blank spots right there on your face. Right? <laughs> the bridges are now down. Oh, <laughs> you draw bridges on your face. I do. <laughs> this, again, is a great podcast for our, our listeners. Hell, yes, it is. So sorry. So sorry, listeners. listeners. Well, today we are going to talk about openings. Like we were saying last week, we're going to talk about openings of movies and TV shows and whatever else you view or watch or listen to and kind of like just go into it a little further. What makes them good? What makes them bad? Cold openings, all of that shenanigans. I have an example straight away that I can talk about unless someone else wants really wants to go first. So the whole reason why I thought about this is because... I was re-watching Star Trek, the reboot slash redo, if you will, with Chris Pine. And I think that that is one of the best openings to a movie because it's got the action, it's got the emotion, it's got the intensity. And I remember watching it in the theaters with mom, actually. And as soon as like the Star Trek came up, the the actual like title screen, I'll look over and we're both already crying and it's like three <laughs> minutes into the movie. <laughs> and I just thought, and I watched it again recently and I was still, I still had that emotion and I still was so excited to like, yes, let's jump in, let's watch this. And I wanted to talk about that because I think that that's not just that movie, but just that idea of like, what are some of those openings that really hook you? I think particularly for this movie, it hooks you because a lot of the people that watched this movie were also fans of the of Star Trek to begin with. So we kind of understand what is happening and what shouldn't be happening. Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Kirk grows up with his father. This can't happen. What is ha- what is going on? Like, this is totally different. And so it was kind of this, you get a glimpse back into the future, but you also get a very straight away, hey, things are different now. And so you get that nostalgia factor and the emotions from you understand who these characters are, even if you just know that they're Kirk's parents, and you understand like the terrible things that are happening but you also get like the, wait, what What does this mean for the rest of the movie? So I I just, I loved that opening. I think it's one of the best openings to a movie. It really hooks you. There's a lot of action. It really just drops you right into the meat of things. And it's like, all right, let's go. And so I don't know. What, do you, what are you guys' thoughts on it? I was going to say, say what you will about J.J. Abrams. But that man knows how to open a movie. Like a lot of the products he's made, all the movies he's made, you open it and you're right in there. And you're immediately invested. I don't want to talk about the endings of any of his particular <laughs> movies, but I think the openings are definitely his strongest, for sure. I don't know. I feel like he's perfect director to talk about openings for. Uh, Amy, this movie is actually one of my top picks for this topic. Ah, perfect. I also saw it in the theater, and 
just leaning forward in my seat, totally hooked because like you said, it drops you right into the story, into the action. There's no lead up time whatsoever. It's just already happening when the camera starts rolling. So yeah, hooks you in so hard with all the different types of emotions. You've got like the sadness and the anxiety and the fear and grief and all of it just happening all at once. And well, also and the excitement because you're about to watch a brand new Star Wars yes. movie. Star Trek. Oh, it's Star Trek. Dang it. Sorry. <laughs> Star something. We, yeah, there. <laughs> We're trekking through the universe, not yeah. not warring through the universe, but warring. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, really great example of a strong, strong opening to a film. Oh, yeah. For sure. I wanted to talk about God of War. Okay. When I think about an opening, I think it's one of the strongest openings in any video game I've ever played, let alone piece of media. So I have to talk about a lot of things to preface this. God of War has a, a thing called a one 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 shot camera. Or they have no cut cutscenes, what they call it. So you're playing the game, and then oftentimes when you're playing the game, the camera will start like panning away from where your character is, and it's and you're in a cutscene naturally. So there's no mm. loading screen to a cutscene. You're in you're playing the game and then you're in the cutscene and you're playing the game, there's no loading screen. Interesting. It does this beautifully by straight out the gate. You launch a game, you're in the main menu, you see Kratos about to chop down a tree, and when you hit start game, the main menu just fades away and you're right there. Like that's what you're looking at. You're playing a game. I do remember that. Yeah. And then right on top of that, he became my favorite composer or not my favorite, but one of my favorites because of this. Baron McCreary's composing starts slowly ear like eerily coming in and you have this powerful voice by Christopher Judge. He's kind of just making grunts at the moment, but everything leads you to this this mystery and its presentation is so well done. It's done with absolute excellence. You can't help to be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta watch and play the rest of this game right now. I, I think what really set it for me specifically was the music. It was so emotional, and it really set the tune, the the tone for the rest of that cutscene. On top of Bear McCreary's music, sorry, on top of Christopher Judge's voice acting, it was like everything was working in tandem with each other, and it was gorgeous. So I recommend, even if you don't play that game or w- watch any of it, listen to that opening music. It's called Ashes. Very, very, very good stuff. An opening is everything to me because I'm I'm very impatient. So it's often a thing that's like, okay, if an opening is good, I'm going to stick with it. But if it's not, I'm just going to give it up right then and there. There's obviously some things that deter me from giving up right away. If I have Liam or Mike saying, this is a really good show. You need to get past the first season. Then I'll stick with it. But if it's something I'm watching on my own and I can't get past the first episode, sometimes I just won't watch after that. But that's just me. I think a good opening can really set the tone for how the rest of whatever you're experiencing is going to go. Whether it's going back to the Star Trek example, throughout the movie, you have that same sort of intensity and emotion and excitement and anxiety all kind of wrapped up in one. And it flows very well, I think, throughout the story. Whereas I think that there are some times where you have a great opening and then the rest of the movie is like, bland Mm -hmm. can i give an example off the top of my head i cannot and i apologize but i think there are it it really does set the tone and when you have that good opening it can make the rest of it even if it's a little lackluster but it can still make the rest of it really good Mm -hmm. because your emotional impression upon what you are watching from the beginning helps carry you yes through weaker parts of the film or absolutely yeah like I will stick with a product 
throughout the entirety of it if that opening was strong because of exactly what you just said missy it's like it made that impression on me and i don't know if it's me still like searching or like oh is it is it gonna get as good as this opening but mm-hmm. ultimately yeah i will stick with something if it, if it has a great opening the dark knight that was instantly the first one i thought of the christopher nolan second batman movie where you see the bank robbing heist sequence that's right oh yeah you've got a how does it start again bunch uh you have that eerie music going in the background it's almost not even music but sound right Mm -hmm. and there's almost no talking throughout it you have a whole bunch of different people and you're showing everything they do and then that person gets killed and then that the person who killed them goes in to do something and then that person gets killed by another person until you're like all the way down to just two of them and you know it's just the joker left in the end leaving i watched that movie over and over and over again because of that opening sequence even though i think there's some problems with the movie overall and the the movie's too long there's just too much going on but that opening sequence is so strong that it was worth watching the movie over and over just to see that scene because it was so unique you didn't really know what was happening because again they kind of drop you with this thing is going on usually with a heist movie, which, you know, this wasn't. But usually when you have a heist in a movie, you are watching the buildup and the planning phases and then you get to watch it unfold. But with this, it's like starting with the heist and you don't know what's happening and you what winds up unfolding you're not expecting. So it was mm-hmm. really, really unique. And then it all just kind of ends and goes away. And it's almost kind of mind blowing. Well, it also really sets up the trickery of the Joker as mm-hmm. well and kind yeah. of showing you the kind of Joker that Heath Ledger plays in the sense of like, hey, this is a brand new Joker that we're introducing. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of Joker that we're setting up for this movie. And I like that as well. And I I like how they presented him. It was a great, I mean, it's the Joker. He's one of the biggest yeah. Batman. He is the v- Batman villain, you know? Yep. I like that it was all sort of an introduction for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to say, hey, this is how we're starting his story. It shows line. his brilliance, his ruthlessness, and his disregard for anyone or anything. It kind of leaves no room for you to imagine what the Joker could be in that movie, mm-hmm. which is what exactly what they needed to do. Because immediately when you have a conception of what a character should be and you don't either fix that while watching the movie or it doesn't get fixed for you Mm -hmm. that 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 thought just keeps lingering and then it grows and then you're ultimately disappointed when it isn't what you thought it was going Mm -hmm. to be so yeah it's super smart well it also establishes the concept of misdirection from the beginning Mm -hmm. which is that reoccurring undertone throughout the entire movie and it tells you right from the start you cannot trust what this guy is saying or doing yeah and yet you instantly forget that setting up the foreshadowing and yet you still are like no he maybe he won't do that and then you're like dang it he did (laughs) or or you look at it from the perspective of i bet he's gonna do this and then nope he's actually over here doing that dang how did they do that how did they trick me because he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve Mm -hmm. he's a trickster he's the loki of the batman universe Ooh, controversial (sighs) i would say maybe not a minimalist approach just like a very slow, wonderful opening for me is Dune, New Dune, with the the Harkonnen chant and seeing it in theaters and IMAX, that Harkonnen chant and then the otherworldly drums from Hans Zimmer. That's another thing you're like, okay, you're immediately setting the, 
the tone of the movie and some of my favorite shots are right out of the beginning as well. They're just very, very quiet, but Denis Villeneuve, I don't, I don't know how you say his name properly, but he has a wonderful sense of scale whenever he's directing. So some of the shots, you're just like, holy, that thing's massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instantly I'm like, OK, I'm invested. You got me. <laughs> now, Liam, did you have any examples that you could come up with? I have more, but I want to give you a chance. I got a few. The first one I thought of is because of something I watched pretty recently, which we're actually, I'm going to just realize Tommy hasn't watched it yet. Okay, so you can deafen me during this. That's okay. All right. Tommy's deafened. <laughs> so, Emi also hasn't seen this, but Mom has recently seen this. In Breaking Bad Season 5, they did a train heist, and at the end of the a train heist, all of a sudden, a kid shows up, and a bit of a newer character, Todd, without thought, just shoots the kid. And everybody's like, yo, what? But the opening to the next episode was, in my, perf- in my opinion, one of the most perfect openings ever. Oh, that was a hard opening. Yeah, it was really hard. There's, uh, there's almost no words. It's just this weird, eerie kind of sound going on in the background as you watch. This kid rolled up on a dirt bike, by the way. You watch the... There was four men there, but one of them took it really hard, so he didn't help. Three men that were part of the heist start to break down the dirt bike slowly and put it into a vat of acid to break it down so there's no evidence. And you're watching this slowly, and they're they're all clearly, like, very distressed about it. Yeah. Yeah, but except for the one guy that shot the kid, because he's a psychopath. But the thing that really gets me is that, like, towards the end of that opening is you see one of them go back to the dumpster that they brought this all in and slowly or the dump truck and slowly start to dig out the kid and you see his hand and then you see the men look at this and they're like oh no they're they're not like oh no but they're like they're thinking like man we really have to do this they're it's hard to to describe their feeling because of what they're about to have to do I, i really like the symbolism of it because they just broke down that dirt bike so much, and now they know that they're going to have to do the same thing to the kid to then stuff him and put him into a vat of acid. Oof. And it's like, oh, it, yeah. it, it was, it's very hard to watch, but I think it's a very, very good opening. It's a very solemn scene throughout the show. They're not like celebrating death. They're like, it's very cringy and emotional and it's shown as a very negative thing throughout the series and that scene in particular right it was almost nothing is said because the looks on their faces throughout the entire sequence says it all they they hate what they have to because they had been so excited about this heist and pulling it off and it was the biggest deal and everyone was super stoked and celebrating at the end and then this happened and it completely changes the tone of everything so yeah just when it seemed like it was all finally going right yeah this happened and it it completely destroyed them it was it was hard to watch it's it was it was a rough scene but it was it was done very well i think yeah it was the best scene of any tv it was the best opening scene of any TV show episode I've seen recently, I think. On a, on a lighter note, I will say <laughs> some of my favorite openings. Now, it's not the very first opening, but just every opening of every episode. I really enjoy Brooklyn Nine-Nine because they always have the cold oh, open. Wow. That's usually cold. really funny. Yeah. And it's such a funny show anyways. 
there's so many different examples. There's this one where they were all betting on Amy and why she was late. And Holt, who is a very stoic character, goes, I bet she was there was a, a line at the teller or something. But the rest of them were all coming up with these elaborate like, oh, she got into an accident or oh, she she had to iron her pantsuit or, some, you know, some ridiculous things. And they were like, as soon as she walks in, they're like, where where did you come from? Where what's why are you late? She was like, there was a line at the teller. And Holt, who's again very emotionless, goes, hot damn. And like <laughs> makes like a really he's like very excited. And fun fact about that particular episode, they actually had to cut it short because he wasn't supposed to say that. And so the whole cast lost it. And they were all <laughs> laughing because they weren't expecting that at all. So it's just stuff like that that I, I really enjoy that series in general, but I really love their cold openings because you already know the show is going to be funny. But to have that extra little bit that usually doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the the episode, can it just really sets the tone of like, okay, I can get into some funny haha times now. So something I found really unique watching that show, which by the way, I did finish that series. Um, I don't. I think well, I haven't seen the final season. The but final season that, isn't up yet, but okay, maybe the final season. So just be careful. <laughs> Something I found very interesting about their their opens is typically, especially when you have a comedy show, the it's a cold opening, right? You have this really funny opening. It's hilarious. Then it has nothing to do with the rest of the show. Broken Nine Nine. More often than not, something was going on with the their opening that actually carried into the rest of the show. So you had this hilarious, ridiculous, funny thing that you're like, okay, that was a great, that was a great scene. And then the credits go, and then you're back to the show. And you're like, oh crap, they're actually having to deal with this ridiculousness now in the episode, which is yeah, that's not a normal thing. But they did it so well in that series by yeah. taking these usually something ridiculous and saying, you know, what, we're going to build the whole show around this and run with it. Yeah. So um, now they I really enjoyed that. They definitely did have episodes where it was just a straight funny cold opening. True cold open. Yeah. Like the other one where they were like, hey, let's do impersonations of Holt trying a marshmallow for the first time. You know, <laughs> the, like that. They didn't re talk about that at all for the rest of the episode. But you're right. They did have cold openings that would travel on. I, I did forget about that. But yeah, that on a lighter note, those are I like those ones because I, I love good, funny comedy. And I think that they did them really well. And they delivered a week after week after week mm -hmm. episode after episode with these real you know some were stronger than others but in general they were just they were really good Hilarious. they were really really good yeah. yeah one of the movies i really enjoy the opening regardless of how anyone feels about the movie itself was specter the next to last bond film takes place in mexico city on oh, the that was the dead oh, oh. That's great. Oh, a lot of people really don't like the movie, opening. but everyone I talk to loves the opening because it's several minutes of a straight single cut shot that includes walking around out in the parade, going into a hotel, going up an elevator, bouncing around the rooms, like climbing out a window and crossing multiple buildings. It's and it's all just one shot and so good. And there's like no dialogue during that whole time for what I remember. Except for like one moment, I think, when, when Bond says like he'd be right back or something. So just so well done because there's so many different people in that entire sequence because it's, you know, the, the actual parade going on. Just phenomenal opening sequence. It draws you right into the story because you don't know what's going on. You just know he's up to something and on a mission and what is this? And then 
it just keeps going. You almost can't catch your breath through it because it's just so exciting. Mm-hmm. So regardless of how that carried throughout the rest of the movie, I, I feel like that opening didn't necessarily drive, jive with the tone in the rest of the movie. Almost didn't fit. But it was a really good opening. Yeah. I just, I mean, I love costumes. Mm-hmm. The costumes of all the parades and stuff, like, so cool. And it, weren't they actually filming while During it was going on? The, the, like, the they didn't. The, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they, I don't think they, I think the reason why it was one shot is because they were actually filming while it wasn't, while it was going on. So all of those shots were, like, very candid and of stuff happening while <laughs> the Day of the yeah. Dead stuff was going on. Which I feel like made it even more real. You made it authentic. Yeah. yeah, authentic. That's thank you. That's the word. I mean, real works too, but authentic just sounds better. <laughs> I have an example of kind of like a pilot episode slash opener that I didn't really like, but I liked a lot of the rest of the season. Our flag means death. Ooh, I think okay. The first episode, like uh, that New Zealander slash Aussie humor. Is not something I can always get on board with right away. It's something that I have to get really used to. And uh, I don't know. The premise of our flag means death is interesting. It's essentially about a gentleman pirate. He really wants to be a pirate, but he doesn't want to kill anyone. He wants to be like as gentlemanly as possible. And that right there is an interesting concept to me. But a lot of the jokes in the first episode just don't land. They're flat. They're boring. A lot of the character development is just like, it's that typical setup that's just like, like it just doesn't, none of it lands and it feels just cringy. And it's not like anything spectacular is happening. It's not like you have like really good, beautiful shots or really good dialogue. It all just really falls flat for me. But ultimately, Again, the reason why I only continued watching it is because Mike said, hey, first episode's rough. Which is funny because you both said that, but I actually enjoyed the first episode. I enjoyed the whole thing, but Mm -hmm. I didn't mind. I didn't think that I had to push past the first episode. I saw the, maybe it was because it had to do with pirates. And so I was like, I'm in, no matter what I'm in. (laughs) But I I was just like, okay, there's the first episode. Next episode, let's let's go. So that's, that's interesting to hear that you guys had to kind of push past it. Yeah, it definitely was a deterrent for me. I was like, ah, I don't know about this. But it ultimately ended up being a fantastic show. <laughs> like a really fun, well-written show. It's oh. by uh, Taika Waititi. Yeah. So Anything he does, just watch. Him. Yeah, most of the time, the stuff he does is good. I mean, I know we, we say we lay off Marvel, but I mean, the Infinity War open. Like, come on. It's a really good open. Yeah. Sets the tone for the movie real well, especially for a Marvel movie. All right, moving on from Marvel. <laughs> I'd say... Mission Impossible Fallout probably has mm-hmm. I was thinking about that one, one of okay. the best openings ever. First off, it has like a lot of different sequences. It's such a twisty movie. There's so many twists in that movie that really it goes really fast. Yeah. You know, it first off opens up to, you know, Ethan Hunt doing whatever in some random place and he gets called it off to do a mission. And he does the mission. Wait, I was gonna say it's the wedding scene first, isn't it? Oh yeah, the wedding scene first. That's an interesting God way to open about it. that. I would say the the opener or like the first 10 minutes, it just goes and it, it goes, goes and it goes and it goes. I feel like it shouldn't work, but it really does for the rest of the story. It opens on Ethan Hunt, like remarrying his old wife, and then he's getting married by the villain of the previous movie. And then a nuke just goes off and you're like, what the heck? And then he wakes up and he's trading. Is it what? Plutonium? 
Or no, he's he's buying plutonium. Yeah. Previous Mission Impossible installments are very they're not very lighthearted, but they're much more lighthearted in tone than mm-hmm. Fallout is in my in my. I have to say the music the whole time is yep. really settle unsettling. It sets you in as like this is super serious. And this is a very different Mission Impossible compared to the previous five. It's one of my favorite relooks at a theme, taking the Mission Impossible theme and making it as dark as it went throughout oh, yeah. the entire it's movie. So, so it, it's one of my too. favorite soundtracks, I, I think, because of that exact reason. You still stay so true to the actual theme, but you made it your own. And you made the tone of the movie fit the music, vice versa. Oh, so good. Yeah, uh, definitely. If you haven't seen it. 100% recommend. You don't have to see the other... The only Mission Possible you have to see to watch it and understand it really is the previous one. But if you want to get like a full understanding, then you can watch them all. It, I think Mission Possible is probably my... Or Mission Possible Fallout is probably my favorite action movie. Just like it's supposed to be pure action movie. It, it's it's so well done with so many twists. Great plot, great action, great actors. 100% recommend. So what I'm hearing from a lot of these openings is that they're sort of high intensity action sequences do we think that that's what makes a really good opening to a show or a movie or is it like because you have so much going on all at once like do you think that if there was like a softer sadder opening it would be just as good i think ultimately it's the emotional impact that an opening has regardless of the emotion it's portraying like in brooklyn 99 it's not high action or super sad it's like hilarious so it strikes you in just the right way with with happiness and and laughter all of these strike certain emotional chords even though often they're different that linger with you right they like dig their claws into you and they won't let you go on that emotion and that emotion helps carry you through the movie it sets that tone Mm -hmm. for the movie or tv show book video game whatever it is so yeah i think we're it has to have a strong emotional impact in order to be an effective and memorable opening yeah i guess it's true because with god of war it's god of war what 2018 so yeah with god of war 2018 that is a softer Mm -hmm. sadder opening with not really a lot of action but that is it's the way that they have designed it how you just go straight in and there's a lot of emotion in it that that really hooks you you kind of find out not very slowly within like five three five minutes what he's doing and why he's doing he's cutting down these trees because these are the specific trees his wife wanted to be burned in when she died. And she just died, and that's what you're doing. So you're cutting down specific trees to send her off, and you're with your son doing this. So it's like this extremely emotionally impactful moment when you realize, oh, you and your son aren't just cutting trees. You're, you're burying your mom, essentially. You're burying your mom right then and there, and you figure that out. And like with the music... It is an emotionally impactful moment. I would say same with Star Trek, although it uses action to convey that emotionally impactful moment. So high, high emotion is what we're looking for. I, I think so. Being in, instantaneously attached to at least something where your brain could be like, okay, I'm attached to this. I can now put my emotions towards this thing, regardless if it's sadness or happiness or laughter. You need something to... Maybe not necessarily relate to, but empathize and understand. Okay. 
Yeah. Liam, I'm kind of surprised you didn't bring this one up, but I'll drop it in and you can run with it if you'd like. For something a little slower and sadder, although still has some high impact in it. Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 10. I forgot about that, but that's like a really <laughs> yeah. long opening. That's like a 20, 25 minute long opening. I don't think it's but, quite that oh long. Oh man, but... it, is, it is really long. But oh man, that's like the best moment in like TV show, or at least one of the best in TV show history. Is that the one where it, where the thing blows up? and? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought that was at the end of the episode. No, no, no that was straight out the beginning. Dang. Yeah, they, they opened it up with that. It's a really long sequence that just keeps on building, and you know something's going to happen. And depends on how much you've been paying attention to the little things across the season, kind of depending on like how early on or later on you're going to figure out what is happening. But man, as you just slowly realize what's going down and just the true scale of everything and all these characters that are under threat and eventually do die at the end of the sequence it's it's amazing and it's so it's such a long sequence with barely any words too it's just the only words are in the trial and it's not a very long trial and it's very oof it's it's so good the music just really sets the tone i was a certified w from cersei there taking out the uh people it was so I just feel like that good. that's what makes it for me is is music. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. 100%. It's so much harder to make an impactful emotional opening that I am absolutely 100% for without music. Music really is just like boom. Okay, you set the mood. I'm here. Yeah, I was going to say music can really amplify emotions as well yeah. and it really kind of sets the tone for the emotions that you're supposed to be feeling as well so if you have good music that can really pull on your heartstrings straight away or mm-hmm. you know your anxiety strings or whatever strings straight away just just from the music alone oh yeah, yeah. Was, at the beginning of the episode the music was going i was like this is big no nah, no nah, this is huge <laughs> my anxiety is already super high something's going down right now it was it was so perfectly done I will say some of the best openings that I found are the openings where it's something that's happening like later on. So whether it's in a book or a movie, the first example I can give of this is in a movie where it's something that's high intense that's happening later on in the movie. And then you have to go through the steps to see you know, you have to watch the movie to see how to th- they get to that point. So actually, to go back to Mission Impossible, I think they did it with, I can't remember which one it is, where he has his wife. It's with um uh, number three. Dennis Hoffman? No. No. Philip Seymour Hoffman, where I believe in the beginning they show... Towards you know, the Ethan end. Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. So the towards the end where Ethan Hunt is tied up and his wife is right there. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, his character is like, you tell me, tell me or I will kill her. And it's like, oh my gosh, how did they get to this point? What's happening? And I think he like kills her. And then you're like, what? And then it starts from the beginning and you're like, yeah. Then the opening (gasps) credits roll and you're like, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah. So I I love those moments as well for openings where you have, it's kind of a little bit of a spoiler. It gets you a little tantalized for what's Mm -hmm. to come. Cause you're like, okay, I don't know what I just watched, but now I have to, I have to find out how we got to that moment. Those are, I feel like are classic hooks. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I've recently been watching Breaking Bad and they do that a Uh bunch in that show. It's the pumpkin spice of cold openings. (laughs) Cause it's just basic. (laughs) 
Anyways, sorry. I think it was the first episode that you see Walt mm-hmm. in the RV driving down in the desert. Yeah. That is that is a perfect opener for I, I already knew what the show was about, so it wasn't too jarring for me. But in general, it was such an interesting way to open a show. Mm-hmm. You open it with action knowing okay this is what i'm probably gonna get to and they they left so much mystery in it i was like oh there's there's bodies that they're driving around everyone is passed out except this driver like what is happening and then boom right into the show you're like oh okay (laughs) no mike told me this i don't know how much it's true but he told me um (laughs) get wrecked mike (laughs) he told me that a big thing that they did throughout the entire series of breaking bad was they would write themselves into a very oh, yeah. precarious like a corner. corner. <laughs> yeah, and that they would have to slowly then try and write themselves and screenplay themselves out of that corner. Hmm. And that's why you see a lot of these openings are just like super jarring at first. And then by the end of the season or like five episodes from now when it happens, it's like, oh, okay. That's wow, why you see a lot of those mm-hmm. things. And it's actually uh, really, it's a genius way of writing. It's a genius way if you're a good if writer. If you're a good writer, yeah. That, that's yeah, what I, that's what sure. I say. Yeah. If you're a good writer and you can somehow precariously get yourself out of that corner, mm-hmm. then you've got something good ahead of... I mean, this is touching on another subject, but boundaries help musicians and just artists and writers in general. Some type of, of boundary. Having unlimited free reign is, at least to me, in my personal experience, super jarring. It's like, uh-uh, no... No, I, I can do so much. I don't know where to plant my focus. I don't have a catalyst for whatever I'm creating. And it gets really hard. So I think, I think you're right, Liam. Having those boundaries and writing yourself into a corner, it's like, okay, I know where I'm going and I know what I have to write towards. How do I write towards it? That's kind of like why we here at 102N like to do our creative prompts, you know? It gives you a little something, something to get started with and figure out what you're going to do. Okay, bye. That's the starting point or the point of inspiration. It's unless we do want to do like a back you into the corner prompt. Like, here's the scenario. You have to get out of it. Ooh, see, you know, actually, this is a great idea for a creative prompt. Any other thoughts on cold openings or just openings in general? I think they make or break usually most of the time a piece of media that you're consuming. So if you're going to make something good, make sure that cold open or opening in general is strong. Actually, talking from personal experience, this is something Mike and I struggled immensely on with the cursing tree. We went through so many different iterations of how we wanted to open the cursing tree. And we had feedback from all of you, like different feedback, which was good. Do we open it at this? Or do we open at that? We ended up writing a whole nother page of actual written material and then composed over that for an opening itself to make it interesting. And hilariously enough, it was one of those you're looking into the future and then you're you're like, okay, so how did we get there? <laughs> hmm. But we wrote that after the fact, which is something I guess maybe you don't always necessarily do. I, I think know. it depends. It depends if, if you go back and you read what you wrote and you're like, oh, uh, no, this needs something. Yeah, I'll just I'll yeah. just say what <laughs> the beginning instead of reworking <laughs> the beginning. I'll just say what's at the end as the beginning. So instead of writing ourselves into the corner, we found the corner and then we wrote around it. That's what we did. Yes. Yeah. So while we were talking, I looked up the information to the opening sequence of Spectre because I wanted to see if it was being filmed like during the actual parade, which I still don't have that question answered because I 
got on a a sidetrack. <laughs> it turns out that while that sequence was beautifully done, it was actually like three different shots that they seemed meticulously together. Yeah, <gasps> rude. Yeah. Sad oh, that's that's I think that's the okay. beauty of sometimes one shots. If you look at all of 1917, oh, some yeah. of them are really obvious. Yeah. But some of them are gorgeous. Yeah, they're, they're like so seamless that you would not know that was seamed I, together. I, I'm pretty sure I talked about this like in the beginning of our podcast, like days, but 1917, I'm almost positive won a VFX award hmm. because of the way they would stitch shots together. Oh, yeah, probably. Because sometimes they would end, the best way I can think of it is one guy was running up a hill, like just running up a really small mud hill. And the end of the day, they shot him running at the very bottom of this hill. And the next day, instead of starting at the bottom, they started towards the top. So they had to stitch that together with CG. They had to oh. stitch the, the, the entire middle part of it with CG. And it was so seamless, some of these shots that they did. Yeah, I think there was a shot where they... The one guy like walks through a door and they do the thing where the camera pans kind of through the wall. Yeah, yeah. And it's the next scene when he's in the actual room mm -hmm. and you can tell, okay, that that was clearly a cut there. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you need a cut for that. Like every every shot can't be this immaculate creative thing, especially yeah. for a movie like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes you got to cut some corners. Okay, more on Spectre. I'm sorry I keep going back. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It was not filmed during Mexico City Day of the Dead Parade because until the film happened, that parade did not exist in Mexico City. But it does now because the city was inspired by the film to start having those parades. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm glad That's I got that information really cool. wrong that you had love it. I love Perfect. it. I'm like, well, if we're going to say it, we should probably fact check this. And I'm so glad I fact checked it because not only was I totally wrong about all of it, but it's fascinating to find out the truth. So, yeah, there you go. Also, audience. Tell us more about it. I love that we never fact check anything, but Missy was like, I'm going to fact check this. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I'm glad to be wrong. Like, that's that's really cool. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Alrighty. Well, I think that that kind of wraps up everything. I got a fact check for Missy. We got talked about a lot of Mission Impossible, went over Game of Thrones, that particular scene, which I know we've talked about multiple times on this podcast. It's so good. We got a little bit of everything. So thank you, our listeners and our uncle, shout out to you for your listening <laughs> and for joining us today. We really appreciate you using your time to listen to all of our shenanigans. We would love to hear from you guys. If you want to reach us, we are on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. We are 1L2N Productions. And if you like what we're doing and you want to help show your support show your support for what we're doing, you can head on over to our Patreon. Usually on our Patreon, we got first looks at the creative prompts that go out. So you'll get a little beforehand sneak peek for like two bucks a month. Isn't that exciting? And we're just put up an exclusive that we don't have on the podcast, and that would be Liam's deep dive into his disaster movie that we did not leave <laughs> on the podcast. So it was, it was so long, but it's very funny, and you should definitely go and check it out. Enough promos and, and self-inserts. Again, thank you guys for listening. And the last word of the day is going to go to Tommy. Take it away. If you ever want to be disappointed with your heroes, specifically any music hero you ever had, just look up any history about Elvis Presley and you'll be immensely disappointed. <laughs>